What is God's mission? That's a great question, is it not? It makes you think. Maybe you thought about it, maybe you haven't. But what is God's mission? What is his purpose? Is that an easier way to answer it? What is his purpose? We've said all kinds of things, right? We've said that it's to uh, for us to get to know him better. It's for us to come to salvation in him, right? It's all these different things. But what if I was to tell you that God's mission is not any of those things? Does that make you? Does that hurt your heart a little bit? <laughs> I want to read a couple of passages to you, and maybe it'll help clue you in. Isaiah forty-eight and nine through eleven says, "For in my name's sake I defer my anger; for my ne- for the sake of my praise I restrain it for you." that I may not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. Isaiah 49.3 You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Anybody catch what God's mission is? And by the way, this is not the only place it's found in Scripture. It's found all over scripture what'd you catch what is it to glorify himself that is a wonderful answer god's mission is god got quiet god's mission is god right god's mission is to glorify himself have you thought about it so often it's our nature and our tendency to tend to think that God's mission is for us, right? That we dwell on ourselves and we think that God has placed us here, maybe out of the loneliness of not having anybody around before we were here or for whatever reason. But God created us not for the sake of us, but he created us for whose sake? His. Everybody say His. God created us for His sake. God is for God. We're going to talk about it tonight. We tend to view God in different ways, but God is about that. God is about us. That you know we we tend to think about Him, and and in a lot of those contexts, because we you know who wouldn't want us, right? We're we're nice people. But the reality is, is God is for God. We live in a kind of a, this morally relevant culture that tells us that, oh, you just, you just, you do for you, and you, you, you work for you, and you go and you accomplish things for for you, and you go and you buy things for you because you deserve it, right? You've earned it. You've done these things, and and you need to work for it, and you need to get it, and it's for you. And we get caught up in. You know, whether it's materialism or whether it's, um, you know, performance-based or whatever it is, we get caught up in this idea that we're doing things and we're operating in a manner that's for us. And somehow, some way, in the back of our minds, we start to view God that way, that He is there pursuing us, that He wants us, that He is looking to us. Now, in some ways, that's true, and I'll get there in a second. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, and I want to read this to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, 
that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to, to, to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind of intention of his will. Verse 6 two, says, to the praise of his glory and of his grace. God's salvation for us, right? His magnificent plan. In case you didn't realize, this book, this book that you bring sometimes, this book that you hold on your phone sometimes, this book that was created, it's not created for you. It's created for him. And he created it in a way that didn't boast our story, right? And a lot of times when we read scripture, we tend to like put ourselves in the stories and we think, oh, wow, what if we were that person or whatever? But here's the reality. This thing is a, is a, a meta-narrative. It's a grand story, right? It's a bigger story than we really ever could dream of or imagine. And God's plan in this entire story, from the time Genesis says, in the beginning to the back of Revelation, his story is about one thing. Can anybody guess what it is? Himself. It's about Christ. Everything in the Old Testament points to Christ. Then we have the story of the Gospels. And they tell the account of this guy named Jesus. And he came and he died on a cross for my sins and for your sins. And he did not just come to die on the cross for our sins, but he also came to be... He came to die and to be raised and to be... Uh, to be death and sin, excuse me. He did all of this for himself. And you're like, well, that's a selfish God. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of the point. God is jealous for his own glory. God wants to glorify himself. And in these verses, these few verses in Ephesians that talk about, blessed be the God of our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Okay, that's a, that's a pretty awesome picture. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Okay, he had set us apart that we would be holy and blameless before him. Right? Because, I mean, otherwise we're wretched, wicked people. Okay? If you didn't know that, you make sin, uh, you make bad choices, you disobey your parents, you do all these different things that make you a wicked, wretched person. He said his point is to make you homely and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, that Christ would come and he would die for us and make a way for us to the cross, through the cross, excuse me. According to the kind of intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace. I love this passage, this Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. There are 21 references to the words he, him, his, over and over and over, he's calling for himself. He says, he chose us in him, before him, he predestined his glorious grace, he has blessed us in him, his blood, his grace, he lavished, he set his purpose in him, in him, of him, his will, his glory, in him, in him, his glory. Are you catching a theme? This is not the only passage either, but I love this passage, but all throughout scripture. God is pointing to one thing, and that is Jesus. And he's seeking to glorify himself. This passage shows us that God has chosen us for his glory. That God made a way in salvation for him. 
God did not save you for you, but God saved you for him. He made a way for you because he wanted to glorify himself. Because if you, a wretched, wicked, sinful person, everybody looking up here? If you are a wretched, wicked, sinful person and God has saved you and made you holy, that makes you look pretty good, right? For his sake. God did not save you for you, but draws you to himself for his glory. I want to tell you a story. Um, I was I was saved when I was nine years old. I grew up in the church, and uh, my, my parents loved Jesus, and they put me in the church every time the doors were open. And I came to Christ's salvation when I was nine years old. I didn't really quite, I mean, I knew who Jesus was, and I understand what he did for me, and so I did come to faith in him. But it took a couple years for me to really understand what this, this whole thing was all about. And some of you may be still trying to figure it out. And that's okay. But I hope I can bring some clarity for you tonight. When I was in sixth grade, and a lot of you guys don't know this story because I don't talk about it often, but when I was in sixth grade, I was a horrible, horrible person. Okay? For some reason, this, this jump, and this is not a knock on any sixth graders out there, you know, you're, you're still my peeps. But for this jump from fifth grade to sixth grade, for some reason, it messed me up. I had a really hard time transitioning into sixth grade. Not for the sake that I, I couldn't go to school or couldn't, you know, none of that. But for some reason, like, internally, I had a hard time. And I began to, like, develop this really terrible habit of, of cussing a lot. And I began to develop these habits of putting people down and making fun of others. And then I began to get into fights, not just because uh, people were like, you know, picking at me or anything, but, but just because I wanted to fight, <laughs> I just had this attitude where I was just ticked off at the world and I wanted to fight and I really wasn't all that big yet. And so like, it was really, a, really like a sh short man complex or something, because even though I tried to fight, I, I most of the time lost. So that's not encouraging you to fight because most of the time you'll still get beat up. Uh, but for some reason I, I was just messed up. I had a really hard time. But let me tell you something, before I was even born, and hang with me, okay? I know I see some of your faces like, why am I here? But hang with me. Before I was even born, God knew that when I was in sixth grade, I was going to be this just wretched little dude. And when I made this transition to seventh grade, I had this really influential person in my life. And it was actually a woman. Her name was Debbie McMahon. And she was a teacher of mine, uh, a Sunday school teacher of mine, through my middle school years. Now, I, you know, during sixth grade, it was a, a weird transition. When I went to seventh grade, as I began to enter seventh grade, it was really interesting to see how God was drawing me to himself. And the reason I say that is because in the process of me transitioning to seventh grade, I had this lady, Debbie McMahon, who became my Sunday school teacher. Well, she also lived on my street, and she also became my homeroom teacher in seventh grade. So not only was she my teacher at school, she was my teacher at church, and she lived in my neighborhood. I literally couldn't get away from the woman, all right? It wasn't a bad thing, trust me, because God began to slowly draw me to himself through Debbie. 
Debbie was a great teacher. She knew God's word. She was a really faithful servant to God. She, she loved the Lord. She taught faithfully. She knew Jesus, okay? And she began to see something in me that I didn't even see myself. And one day, I'm like, you know, it's like the first or second day of seventh grade. I'm still thugging out, like trying to pretend like I'm somebody. And causing a ruckus in seventh grade, homeroom class, talking, uh, making fun of people. Debbie, Debbie loved me. And in love, she pulled me out into the hall. She grabbed me by my shirt. Stand up, Jeffrey. She grabbed me by my shirt. She jacked me up against the locker. Okay, this is not like some strong, like, just, I mean, she was strong. But it's not some, like, large woman, okay? This is like Tammy Holt back there just jacking you up against the lockers, saying, listen, dude, it's time. It's time to stop messing, it's time to start messing around, and it's time to start acting like Jesus. And I'm telling you, it was in the process. You can sit down, man, I know. Freaked you out a little bit, didn't I? It's okay. You can beat me up later. I'm not hard to beat up. All right. In the process, in the process of getting me to this point, God was slowly drawing me near to him. It wasn't anything that I could do on my own. I didn't put myself in my neighborhood where Debbie was. I didn't put myself in my Sunday school class where uh, Debbie was. I didn't put myself in my homeroom class where Debbie was. But Debbie took God used Debbie intentionally. She, from that moment on, we became like best friends. She, she would teach me things about Jesus, and she would teach me in his word, and she would take time, like even on her way home from school, seeing me out in the yard and playing, and she would say really great things to me, encouraging things about my walk with the Lord. And she, God used her in a big way. And I don't talk about it much because it's, you know, there's, I mean, there's a relationship dynamic between a, a woman and a man and all that kind of stuff. But she, she was so intentional. God used her intentionally to reach me. And it wasn't through anything of my own. And I want you to understand this, the reasoning for this story is not because it was not because of something I did on my own. It was not for my sake but God used Debbie to draw me closer to him for his sake. And there's people in your life, and um, trust me, um, trust me, I know. There's people in your life right now. It may be a parent, maybe a small group leader, it may be a coach, it may be a teacher, it may be somebody in your life that God is using intentionally, whether you realize it or not, to reach you. And it's not for your sake that he's trying to reach you. It's for his sake. God did not save you for you. He saved you for him. And he is the one that is glorified in you. The Bible talks about this way. It says that men move by the hand of God. God is the one that orchestrates these things to happening. He's the one that's moving the puzzle pieces. He paints on that canvas, you know, a painter and or, or somebody that, that paints or whatever, they, they paint on these canvases, right? These white blank canvases. And God paints on a canvas bigger than we can ever dream of or imagine. And you may, he may be working on you down here, Ethan Goble, and he may be working on you up here, Maddie Coulthard, and he's tying all this thing together, right? And he's the one moving the pieces because it's for his sake, not yours. And God is going to be glorified in your life. 
if you're willing. If you're willing. And I want you to think about it. Oftentimes, we, we use this thing as our niche. You with me, man? We use this thing as our niche, this like coming to Sunday school, coming to Wednesday nights. Uh, we put on this front, right, as Christians. We, we oftentimes use God, this Wednesday night, Sunday morning, this time, we, we use God to make much of ourselves. And as we just talked about, God wants to use us for his glory. He doesn't want the other way around. And so he gets upset when we do that. And I, there's never been a time more in my life than in college when I was studying at Bible college, okay, and never more an intent place to study the word of God, right, and to be in a right relationship with him. But for some reason, I have this prone, sinful tendency to want to make life about me. And I use God to make much myself. And it took God humbling me in a huge way. It took God humbling me in a huge way to show me that it's not about you, Brian. It's not about you. It's about me. And so if, I, if, if nothing else tonight, I know that you're, you're drawn weak. If you're willing to listen for the next five minutes, God may do something radical in your life. Matt Chandler says it this way, it's not that God is not for you, but that his motivation for being for you is the sake of his own name. God still loves us, okay? I'm not trying to say that God doesn't love us. God loves us more than we can, we can imagine. But it's in him loving himself and glorifying himself that we can experience the greatest love that we've ever experienced. Because God loves himself and glorifies himself, we get to a chance to experience the greatest love. God's glory is exhibited in his love for his children. The fact that we are wicked and insignificant makes God's grace and love for us so much greater. I have a question. I told you I had more than one. I have a question. So, if God's mission is for God, and you and I were created by God, right? If God's mission is for God, and we were created by God, what is our mission? Brandon Williams, can you stand up and tell me what our mission is? Mrs. Hunt, can you, or Miss Hunt, excuse me, can you tell me what our mission is? Olivia, can you stand up and tell me what our mission is? Lainey, can you stand up and tell me what our mission is? Sydney, can you stand up and tell me what our mission is? Cameron, can you tell me, stand up and tell me what our mission is? Josh Hamilton, can you stand up and tell me what our mission is? Hannah Amalon, can you stand up and tell me what our mission is? If God's mission is to glorify God and we were created by God, it makes our mission to glorify God. In our effort to glorify God, we have to tune our lives in a way 
that glorifies him. There's things in your life right now. You may think it's funny. You may think it's boring. But I want you to listen right now. There's things in your life that right now you are enslaved to. There's things in your life right now that are hindering your relationship with the Lord. Everybody has them, so don't think that you don't. There's something in your life right now that's hindering your relationship with God. There's something in your life that you're enslaved to. And as we're looking to D now, this whole liberate theme, this Romans 5 through 8, is talking about this aspect of being breaking free of these things that we're enslaved to and being enslaved to righteousness instead. Because God wants us to live a holy and righteous life. And there's something in your life right now, you're thinking about it. There's something in your life right now that you're enslaved to. And it may not even be a bad thing. Maybe it's basketball. Maybe it's dance. Maybe it's baseball. Maybe it's people's opinions of you. Maybe it's depression. There's things in your life right now that you are enslaved to. And this is what we're going to do. I want to invite the band to come up. And as you sit and think about the one thing, I just want you to think about one thing. There may be tons of things, and trust me, if you're like me, there are. But I want you to think about one thing, the biggest thing, that hinder, is hindering your relationship with the Lord. And I'm going to pray. And as I finish praying, I want everyone to stand up, and I want you to go and find a leader. This is not a joke. All of our leaders are going to get up right now, and they're going to spread out throughout this entire room along the walls. And I don't care if you think it's stupid. I don't care if you think it's middle schoolish. I don't care what your priority, your priority, I can't talk. <laughs> I don't care what your thing is. <laughs> I like that. There's something in your life right now that's hindering your relationship with the Lord. It may be a friend of yours. It may be a relationship. There's something in your life right now that's hindering your walk with the Lord. And so every single person in this room, hear me when I say this, everybody looking up here, every single person in this room is going to stand up after I get done praying and you're going to find one leader, okay? There's plenty to choose from. I, that's intentional. There's plenty to choose from. I want you to find one leader and you may have to wait until after somebody else goes to talk to the one you are going to talk to. But I want you to find one leader and I want you to tell them, I'm enslaved to this. And tell them what it is. And they're going to take the next 30 seconds to a minute to pray over your life. And they're going to pray over your life in such a powerful way. You may not even feel it, but God is going to intervene in your life tonight. And he's going to grab a hold of you and he's going to set you free. One thing that you're enslaved to. Let's pray. And then you go and you find someone that pray over you. Jesus, we pray in this moment that you are greater than our greatest need. That you are greater than anyone else in our lives. That you have something special planned for us. 
And it's not for our sake, Jesus, but it's for yours. And so Jesus, right now in this moment, as we sit here and we think about what is this one thing that we're enslaved to? God, I know for myself, it's people's opinions of me more than anything else in my life. I seek affirmation like nobody's business. And Jesus, I need you to set me free tonight from this thing that's holding me back from my relationship with you. And there's every single guy and girl, student, sixth grade to 12, that has one thing in their life that's holding them back from their right relationship with you. And they're thinking about it right now, Jesus. And I want you to give them the courage and the boldness to find somebody right now. Because we're going to step up and we're going to set free of what sin is holding us back. Jesus, we love you and we pray expectantly in these next few moments in your name and no one else's. Amen. Stand up and go. Stand up right now and go find somebody 